Welcome to this APTA podcast. I'm Michelle Vanderhoff. World Physiotherapy, previously known as the World Confederation for Physical Therapy, recently released a briefing paper on safe and effective rehabilitation for individuals with post-acute sequela of COVID-19, also referred to as long COVID. They also released a long COVID toolkit in preparation for World PT Day on September 8th. APTA member Rebecca Martin, PT, DPT, PhD, represented the association in authoring the briefing paper and the toolkit. And she's here today to talk about the PT's role in treating long COVID and what that looks like in terms of patient safe recovery. Rebecca is a board certified clinical specialist in neurologic physical therapy and is clinical assistant professor of physical therapy at Hanover College. She is chair of APTA's cross academy section COVID-19 core outcome measures task force as well as chair of the Degenerative Diseases Special Interest Group within the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy. Thank you for being here today, Rebecca. Thanks, Michelle, so much for having me. So before we get started talking about the briefing paper, can you clarify the difference between long COVID and post-COVID-19? Sometimes these terms seem to get conflated. Yeah, so let's start by pointing out that post-COVID is really a misnomer. Sometimes in healthcare, the post terminology is appropriate, like post CVA, which are when symptoms occur after a stroke. But with COVID-19, these symptoms are really still the effect of the virus, and we should not think of COVID-19 as being over. Rather, it's just a different stage of the disease. So calling long COVID, which can be worse than the symptoms of acute COVID-19, post-COVID would be similar to calling the initial migraine a migraine, but all of the following migraines post-migraines. Those who are experiencing continued and returning migraines would likely feel that terminology suggests the migraines are over and not fully valuing their current symptoms. So long COVID or post-acute sequelae of COVID-19, in my mind, better fits the true nature of the disease. But there is still some confusion out there as to which terms are best and how to define the different stages of COVID-19 with so many different groups using different terminology. My impression, though, is that most professional groups are using the NICE or the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence out of the UK. Their categories, which would be zero to four weeks, uh, would be acute COVID-19, four to 12 weeks being considered ongoing symptomatic COVID-19. And for those symptoms that are lasting longer than 12 weeks, that would be considered long COVID, post-acute sequelae of COVID-19, or what some people call post-COVID syndrome. But I do also want to quickly point out that it does get more complicated than this because sometimes individuals develop a comorbid condition as a complication of COVID-19, like a stroke or post-intensive care syndrome, known as PICS. And when this is the case, the physical therapist must not only consider the implications of the additional diagnosis, but also try to discern if the symptoms are truly long COVID or if they're related to that comorbid condition. That's interesting. And that's almost a whole different podcast in and of itself, uh, differentiating between long COVID and PICS. Oh, absolutely. So let's get into the briefing paper. One of the questions I think many PTs have is about exercise and whether or not it is harmful or helpful for patients with post-acute sequela of COVID-19 or people who previously had COVID-19. Is there a difference for graded exercise versus physical activity in general? This is a great question. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this super important topic. Our briefing statement 
outlines four main considerations when determining the appropriate type of physical rehabilitation with individuals with long COVID, which include determining the presence of post-exertional symptom exacerbation, cardiac impairments, exertional oxygen desaturation, and autonomic nervous system dysfunction. So for any patient with long COVID or without for that matter, I would recommend a very individualized approach to care. But for this population, there could be some serious repercussions if we push them too hard. So some studies are indicating that up to 70% of people living with long COVID still experience post-exertional malaise six months after the onset of COVID-19. So anytime these individuals are experiencing post-exertional symptom exacerbation, which could be hours or even days after the increased activity, graded return to exercise is just not appropriate. And these individuals need to know how to respond to their current symptoms and how to progress or regress their daily activities to reduce exacerbations. So physical therapists should play a vital role in helping this population to do that safely. There are really so many details in this briefing paper that are important, so definitely go read it if you haven't. But even if your patient is not in the group that's experiencing post-exertional symptom exacerbation, we still have other important safety concerns like cardiac safety, oxygen desaturation, and autonomic dysfunction that could still be a big concern. So those last three, we might expect a better response to regular increases in physical activity, but they should still be carefully monitored by a physical therapist. So the very best thing you can do with patients with the post-exertional symptom exacerbation is really to help them learn about themselves. And in the toolkit, there is a symptom tracker that PTs can use with their patients to learn their triggers. But another important trick for reducing the risk of exacerbation is heart rate monitoring. And at the bottom of the pacing handout, there's a really good way to calculate a safe heart rate range for this population. And it involves monitoring their heart rate upon waking and staying within 15 beats per minute of their weekly average. So along those lines, how do you know as a PT when or how to modify a patient's plan of care as they progress? Right. Regress. Right. Well, as a specialist in degenerative diseases, one thing that I definitely understand is that success is not always measured by progression of exercises. So if we're talking about individuals with post-exertional symptom exacerbation, we have to be all right with setting goals for independence with that symptom management and understand that if patients are able to better manage their symptoms, that they're going to have improved qualities of life and less bad days. So these are the patients that I like to see more often at the start, and then once a week or once every other week, then maybe follow up with a month later and work towards that independence. They can also really benefit from telehealth to reduce the effort required to attend physical therapy sessions. But if the patients are not experiencing post-exertional malaise or that post-exertional symptom um, exacerbation, then we're probably looking more at that traditional graded gradual return to activity. Uh, these patients are the ones that I might follow more consistently at once or twice a week, you know, until I, I learn more about how they're gonna to respond to the increases in activity and how they are doing with independent symptom management and exercise activity progressions. So what signs or symptoms might make you worry that someone is experiencing dysautonomia related to COVID-19? Of course, yeah. And the initial draft of this portion on autonomic dysfunction was really my main contribution to the paper, so we're in my sweet spot here. While autonomic dysfunction can present in many different ways, including GI disturbances, it's really the chest pain, 
dizziness, palpitations, presyncope, syncope, and uh, breathlessness that would raise concern in this population when we're talking about exercise and activity levels. So if they are experiencing any cardiac changes, it's best to refer them to a cardiologist for a workup, but know that heart rate and blood pressure changes can definitely be related to dysautonomia. So I would I just want you all to be aware that orthostatic hypotension, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which we also call POTS, are both related to dysautonomia and long COVID and are very common in this patient population. So providing a quick screen for dysautonomia like the COMPASS 31 will allow for a fuller clinical picture. And these recommendations uh, are all found in the briefing paper. So if you're working with someone with dysautonomia, how does that affect their ability to exercise? There are definitely additional considerations as these individuals are at a greater risk of injury due to syncope or lightheadedness. And the briefing paper includes recommendations for using supine or recumbent positioning, isometric exercises, compression garments, and patient education for safety when individuals are presenting with OH or POTS. But to add a layer of difficulty for patients with long COVID, if they have dysautonomia, aerobic exercise may be recommended, and that's in direct opposition to what you should do if they have post-exertional malaise. So this is a great example of how individuals with long COVID really need to have individualized care. So when patients have both autonomic dysfunction and post-exertional malaise, physical therapists need to understand that the risk of aerobic exercise is going to outweigh the benefits. So is there a recommended length of time people with long COVID should receive physical therapy or do we not know this yet? And I, I wish that was an easy answer, but to answer it, it might help to compare long COVID or past with stroke. So when you hear that a patient has had a stroke, you really don't have any clear image of how that individual is going to function or how long they're gonna need therapy until you actually evaluate them. And the same goes for long COVID. There are some individuals who are going to be managing fairly well. They might notice some shortness of breath when climbing the stairs, but others with long COVID may not have been able to leave the house in the past month. So the key is going to be using outcome measures that can show progress and justify the need for PT such as the COVID-19 core outcome measures. And now for a quick break. Throughout 2021, we're hosting the APTA Centennial Lecture Series. Earn CEUs while exploring topics like clinical practice, payment, and practice management. Upcoming is our June lecture on managing vestibular disorders. Visit centennial.apta.org celebrate to learn more and register. And now let's return to the show. So let's switch gears a minute and talk about the toolkit. Um, how did the toolkit come about and why was this topic chosen? Yeah, so I think it's about the past 15 years or so. Every September 8th is celebrated as World Physio Day. And on that day, physical therapists from around the globe get together to try to promote the profession and to further their own educations. So not all American PTs realize this, but as a member of the American Physical Therapy Association, we are automatically members of World Physiotherapy, which was previously known as the World Confederation for Physical Therapy. So as a member of the APTA, we automatically have access to the resources and the opportunities that they present. And this year, long COVID or PASC was chosen for a few reasons. We spent some time talking about the safer rehabilitation briefing statement, which is so important. 
And those recommendations are reflected in the toolkit. And so a main reason to pick this topic this year is to ensure that physical therapists around the world have the tools they need to safely work with their patients. But additionally, we wanted to give physical therapists the tools they need to let others know about our skills and our expertise. So who was involved in the committee that developed the toolkit? The toolkit was developed by World Physio with input from experts like myself from around the globe. Specifically, I'm aware of significant contributions from Simon DeCrary, Ted DeShane, Jessica DeMars, and Catherine Thompson, but there may be others that have provided valuable input. So check out the World Physio website and my apologies to anyone that I may have missed. Is the toolkit geared more toward clinicians or consumers or both? And how is it really intended to be used? This toolkit is made to be put into the hands of a physical therapist. So it has handouts to educate the patients, which will save the clinician time finding other resources that explain the symptoms of long COVID, that explain fatigue and post-exertional malaise, which guide the physical therapist and patient through things like learning about the patient's energy reserve and how to pace. In addition, the toolkit has signage and handouts that explain the role of physical therapy in the management of this population. And it has good reminders related to safety for this population. Shortly, we also expect to add a brief script for a radio interview that physical therapists could take to a local radio station and ask the host if they would be willing to complete with them. I find that our local radio hosts, usually during the morning show, are happy to share tidbits that will help their listeners. And uh, a few weeks back, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Martha Slowinski from Columbia University, who reminded me that one way that our profession really got its start was from meeting the needs of individuals with and recovering from polio. And with the right tools in our hands, we really have the opportunity to again show the world what our profession can do for quality of life, for returning function, and for returning people to their social roles. This is really how the kit was designed to be used. So what are some of the key highlights uh, of the toolkit for PTs? So I talked a little bit already about what's in there, but my favorite handout is the post-exertional malaise and fatigue handout I spoke about to you earlier. And I think that that handout is really gonna help a lot of physical therapists. Pair that handout with a pacing handout that walks you step-by-step -step with your patient on how to pace and how to prevent exacerbations. I think those are two really key ones. And I also just really love the rehab and long COVID handout to raise awareness that we really are a key part of the recovery team for this population. So can this toolkit be applied to uh, all resource settings? Absolutely. I do think there is something in this toolkit for every PT. The toolkit includes signage to put up in medical settings, as well as handouts that could be provided to primary care offices or to discharge planners at a hospital. The breathing exercise and pacing handouts could be really important in any setting. And if you're a physical therapist that's just interested in promoting the profession, this is a really great opportunity to just hit print and pass things along. So this toolkit really was created from World Physio with the idea that it could be used regardless of the resources that the physical therapist has at the ready. So whether you're in an area with a lot of resources or in a lower resource area, this is a toolkit that should be able to provide you with things that you could use today. Um, so where can you find it? Um, and are the materials available in uh, different languages? The toolkit and more information can be found at World Physio's website, which is world.physio, but the fastest way to get there is probably just to simply search World Physio Day on your favorite browser. 
Right now it's available in English, but we're working to get it translated into many more languages. Spanish and French are next, but last year it was available in over 30 languages. To download the toolkit and briefing paper, and to learn more about World PT Day, visit world.physio. For more APTA resources and information on this topic, visit APTA's Coronavirus Resources webpage. APTA's consumer site, choosept.com, also features a physical therapy health center on COVID-19. For more APTA podcasts like this one, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or visit apta.org slash podcasts. I'm Michelle Vanderhoff. Thanks for listening.